Hello everybody, welcome or welcome back to Analyzing with Anne. That's analyzing with two N's, just like my name. No E on the end of that one there. As you can probably tell, this is going to be a much more serious episode than the previous ones. This is the part two analysis of Heart of a Writer, which is where I tend to get into the theology. So this is going to get a lot more serious I hope for those of you who are Christians trying to follow Christ, you find this to be a challenging episode, as even I find this content to be very challenging. I do want to put the disclaimers out there that this is directed at Christians who claim to follow Christ and know the Lord as their personal Savior. I know that I could skip talking over all of this, but I honestly find it necessary for the times that we are living in that I bring these points home. For the unbelievers out there, if you want to listen to understand Christianity a little bit better, you are more than welcome to. I don't want you to feel like this is an attack on you, as I cannot expect someone who does not know Christ as their Lord and Savior to follow God's principles and God's truth, but you are certainly welcome to stick around and maybe you'll learn something out of this. I'm going to take a short pause here for those of you who don't want to stick around and listen to this, but I'm going to take a pause here before we get started. Okay, I am going to start this episode because there was one issue that I had with this episode, and I know that there are other Hardys out there who weren't too pleased about this either, and there were some fans that honestly were kind of rude about this, but I found some of the cast and crew's response to be just as rude as well. All right, the debate on the morality of Elizabeth and Lucas's incognito date. This scene brings up the topic of sexual immorality. If you're a parent of young children, you may not want them to listen to this at this point in their lives, but I feel that I need to keep this honest as possible. To understand sexual immorality, we need to first take a look at some scriptures, which is what I'm going to go through with this episode. I have pre-looked at these scriptures with both an NIV and an ESV study Bible, so I have some notes that I have taken from both. I am going to start this off with 1 Corinthians 6, 9. I will be reading this in the NIV study Bible. Feel free if you have a Bible app or even your, if you have your Bible in front of you, if you're not trying to listen to this while driving in the car or something like that, feel free to read along with me. I'm going to read here verses 7 through 11 so that we get a better picture of the context. Although if you really want to understand the context, this whole chapter needs to be examined, but I'm not going to take the time to go through every single detail here. I'm just going to take the time to read parts of the passages and then jump into the verses here. Starting in verse 7, the very fact that you have lost it among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. Verse 9, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, 
nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So what this is getting at, and later in this episode we will get into idolatry, so I want you to keep that also at the back of your mind as I'm going through this one, is verse 9. And I will read that again. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, going into verse 10, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. In this verse, we can come to the conclusion that sexual immorality and idolatry are both defined as unrighteousness in the eyes of the Lord making reference to the notes in both the NIV and the ESV, we see Paul making a point here that the behavior of Christians must be set apart from the world. Christians are to behave in a way that strives for holiness, in a way that the world is honestly not going to understand. And a big part of that is by striving to stay out of continual practices of these things. The two that I'm talking about in this episode are sexual immorality and idolatry. In addition to the other ones that were listed, this is talking about how the Christian's behavior should totally be different from the world, from the culture. In fact, if it's not going against the world or the culture, one could argue that either you really aren't a Christian or you may be a young Christian who doesn't quite understand what the Christian life is supposed to be like. Now, Paul does say that Christians can wrestle with these desires, but I made reference to this point earlier. It's not to continue in these practices. Christians are not exempt from these desires that are a result of our flesh. That is one thing that I think needs to be made perfectly clear. Christians are not supposed to be hoity-toity, I'm more morally superior than everyone else who isn't a Christian. That's not what Christians are supposed to do either. Christians are supposed to be working on and striving towards not giving in to those desires striving towards saying no when they know Satan is tempting them to give in to those desires, and striving towards leaning on God to help them in those instances when they are tempted and they're having a hard time seeing a way out. That is when we need to be reliant on God's strength, not our own. This is something we can't do by ourselves. This is something that we totally need to be dependent on God to help us get through it and we need to be honest with people who we have close relationships with the christians in our lives about what we are struggling with so that we have people that can help hold us accountable and who can be praying on our behalf to help us not to get sucked into those patterns of behavior moving on to first corinthians six eighteen. To give more context to this, I will start reading at verse 12, 
and go all the way through verse 20. So we get the broader context of this, but we will focus in on verse 18 afterwards. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. But God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now we're on verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And this passage, especially verse 18 through 20, Paul is getting at sexual immorality being a sin against the body. He talks about how marriage is supposed to be a type of union designed by God. Before I dive further into that remark, I would like to take us to Numbers 25, 1 through 2. The ESV study Bible makes a cross-reference to this as Paul is seeing this problem among the Israelites in Numbers to be a problem in Corinth among the church. I will actually read 25, 1 through 9 to give a full context of this. I am actually going to read this from the NIV. There are just some words that the ESV uses that I don't want to repeat on this podcast. So I will read this version instead. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women, who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. I'm going to pause there and remind you that according to the laws, this was not permissible among the Israelite people to marry outside of their faith. And the reason for that was to protect them from falling into this pattern of worshiping pagan gods. Let's read on. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. The Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of these people, kill them, and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to Israel's judges, Each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor. Then an Israelite man brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, 
he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear through both of them, through the Israelite and into the woman's body. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. This is what Paul is closely connecting to what is going on, to the problems in Corinth. As the first two verses talk about them worshiping these other gods, this is what the Lord was angry with them for. And then the sexual immorality also played a huge role in that anger as well, as it is closely linked to that culture that they were bringing in. Now, some of you might have listened to the rest of that, and the reaction may seem very extreme to you. According to my notes in the ESV, those actions had to be extreme in order to teach people what would happen to them if they disobeyed God, worshipped other gods, and were basically caught in the act of sexual immorality. That is why this was instructed to happen. Getting back to the uh, sexual relations outside of marriage, in the NIV version, it explains how sexual relations outside of marriage always hurts. It hurts God because it demonstrates that we want to follow our own agenda, and it hurts others because it violates essential commitment to that relationship. That is usually also publicly confessed when people end up getting married. They're making a commitment to themselves, and they're usually making it in front of witnesses. And also, it hurts ourselves as it can lead to disease. It can also affect our personalities as people tend to respond in anguish. They end up harming themselves both physically and spiritually. This is one of the many reasons why this is serious. It causes so many problems for people when this is basically ignored. And I will be frank here, I think we have seen, even within the church, a shift in ignoring this as a way to fit in with the culture around us, even though Christ calls the church to be different from the culture. I think we are seeing, especially here in the United States, we are seeing a shift of Christians wanting to reach out to the culture, and in the process, we lose sensitivity to this area of sexual immorality, as well as many others. I'm going to go on to 1 Corinthians 10, 7 through 8. I'm going to read the whole section marked warnings from Israel's history in chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. 
We are going into verses 7 through 8 here. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angels. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. We read in verse 7, which I will talk about later, it warns about not indulging in idolatry. In verse 8, which is what I want to focus on right now, tells us that we must not indulge in sexual immorality. Paul reminds the Corinthians of God's punishment to the Israelites here. Again, this goes back to Numbers 25, 1 through 9, breaking the first commandment. Like I said before, there was a drastic action, which is the only possible way to destroy the perversion. And that consequence was used as a warning to people of what would happen if they partook in those actions that led to the death of these people. Moving on to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. I will read verses 1 through 8. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will, this is verse 3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen, who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you, for God will not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. In verses 3 through 8, Paul is calling the Thessalonians to please God by living holy lives. Paul has an understanding that there are converts who have given their life to Christ, who have lived in a pagan culture, 
where the appeal of sexual sin was strong. So he knows that there might be people in the congregation still struggling with the high moral demands of Christianity. Paul is clearly telling the Thessalonians that God forbids sexual activity outside of heterosexual marriage. And Paul also alludes back to what I was talking about earlier in 1 Corinthians 6.18, when he said sexual desires need to be placed under Christ's control. Again, he's bringing the point home that sexual activity outside of marriage hurts. It hurts God, it hurts the people around us, and it hurts ourselves. The last scripture that I will be going into is Hebrews 13.4. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. In this passage, Paul is telling us that marriage should be held in honor. And he warns us that God will judge those who are sexually immoral. This warning was addressed to members of the church that received this letter. In this case, we know it's the Thessalonians, as well as genuine believers. The notes in my commentary in the ESV study Bible expand on this passage when it talks about judgment. It says, after talking about who Paul is addressing this to, this judgment of God would not mean final condemnation to hell, cross-referencing Romans 8.1, but would bring disciplinary judgment in this life referencing Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, or loss of reward at the last day, or both. However, in light of the earlier warning passages, Hebrews 3, 12 through 14, Hebrews 6, 4 through 8, Hebrews 10, 26 through 31, and Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, it is possible that such sexual immorality will be an indication that the person committing it is in fact not a true believer and not born again. I will reiterate those words came out of my ESV study Bible in the commentary section. It explains judgment better than I can. With all this being said, from what I have studied, I believe that Elizabeth and Lucas, maybe not intentionally, I'll give them that benefit of the doubt, maybe not intently, but it looks like they invited temptation in by going out and staying in a hotel overnight. Granted, they are in separate rooms, but there is still room for temptation even in that instance. There would be temptation to cross those boundaries for them. And I've read before that we're supposed to flee sexual immorality, which is what I believe Elizabeth and Lucas were not doing in this instance. Also, I believe by trying to twist the behaviors of the characters to match with behaviors that are acceptable in today's society, it totally changes the zeitgeist of the period that this period piece is supposed to be showcasing or presenting, which doesn't really make the period piece that authentic to the period you have to keep some elements of 
what would have been historically accurate back then. And in my opinion, when you're changing the people's behavior back then, that completely, completely undermines the zeitgeist of the age. It completely undermines what people back then would have thought, how they would have viewed Elizabeth and Lucas going off by themselves to a hotel. And back then, it definitely would not have been acceptable for them to go over to a hotel even if they had separate rooms. That would not have been acceptable back then. That would have been considered scandalous. Now I will finally get to the second main topic that I want to talk about, which is idolatry. And this is a concern that I have for our culture in general, but it's a concern that I feel is infiltrating into the church. I wonder if we aren't getting caught up in the characters and actors' virtuous claims of moral superiority. From just my observations, these are my observations, I believe that as Christians we have to draw lines on moral boundaries, and this is just my observation, but Hollywood and even Hallmark seem to have no lines drawn in their rhetoric of moral standards. They seem to side with whatever is popular with moral standards in order to appear morally superior to their audience, basically. If you really look at a lot of actors' posts on social media, especially around the time of George Floyd's death, you will see a lot of evidence of virtue signaling and gaslighting, which I see in a lot of what these actors say. They're entitled to their own beliefs. I will give them that credit. But they are not entitled to force their beliefs on their audience. Their job is to entertain, not to be forcing their beliefs down everyone else's throat, which is what they seem to be doing. One of the examples of constant virtue signaling or gaslighting, if you will, is when they are constantly saying, be kind, be nice. To be entirely honest, they seem to be the ones that aren't being kind and aren't being nice because they are presenting this, these double standards to their audience, which they can break their own moral rules, but we can't. It just doesn't work. And I do wonder if because people are so caught up in the actors and the characters that they're playing, that they're not stopping to really think for themselves about what the actors are saying. And as Christians, I believe we need to filtrate what the actors are saying through what does the Bible say. What does the Bible say about biblical kindness? What does the Bible say about being nice? Now, I know that 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. This is one of those verses that I wonder if there is a tendency for people who are so wrapped up in 
the movie stars and what they think and getting the moral cues from them without filtering them through what the Bible says. If you can't at least filter what these actors say through what the Bible says on those topics, then you really don't seem to be making a biblical case for that stance. I wonder, because I observe a lot of this with this mentality, is twisting the words to verse 6 from it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth, to it does rejoice in wrongdoing and rejoices with lies, which is obviously not what those words say. If we are going to the Bible as to what is righteous and unrighteous, we need to be digging into God's word as to what that says and how to apply that into our lives instead of just taking an actor's word for it and going along that. We need to go to the Bible and look at what the Bible says about these topics. Also, the Bible's stance on being kind is one thing that I want to talk about briefly. If you've read or maybe even listened to recordings of the Gospels, Jesus calls the Pharisees out and he calls them a brood of vipers. And these were the religious leaders at the time who, in their own way, did believe they were morally superior than everyone else in society because they followed all these rules, not just the ones that were laid out in the Bible for them to follow, but then they had to follow extra rules so they didn't slip and not follow a rule in the Bible. Jesus himself called them a brood of vipers. Now, is that very nice? No, but going back to even biblical kindness and what I was saying with verse 6, it does not seem kind of me to let fellow Christians not be aware of this. It does not seem kind to let them keep going down roads of what I perceive to be idolatry and not at least give them something to think about as a possible warning. Whether you want to believe in this or not, I can't make you believe what I say is truth. But like I said, I'm not going to step down and not let what I believe the Bible is saying is truth here not be heard. Going back to what I said in 1 Corinthians 10, 7, it warned us about idolatry. Even the Old Testament warns us about idolatry. To me, it seems as if many proclaiming to be Christians are getting caught up in idolatry, which is our problem, not Hollywood's. And this questions me to think, are we turning to the Israelites here? If you recall, back in the Old Testament, the Israelites would go into phases where they fell into idolatry and God would let them go into captivity until they came back to him. That is the question I want to leave you with. Are you relating to the Israelites in that pattern? That's a question for you to answer for yourself, not for me to dictate to you what is going on. I just want to encourage you to stop, think, read the Bible, study these for yourselves, and come to your own conclusion. That is all that I have for this episode. I hope that this episode has challenged some of you on these areas and these topics. The next episode that I put up will be a review on Brigadoon. 
then after that, I will have the episode eight into the woods analysis coming. If you listen to this podcast through Apple podcast, I would appreciate any readings and reviews. I can now be found on parlor at a M riddle eight. That is spelled with a capital A M as in monkey. And then my last name with the number eight at the end. As always, you can also find me at Twitter at a riddle 91. Again, that's a riddle spelled R I D as in dog. Another D as in dog L E 91. With this being such a serious podcast, I obviously have none of those for you today. Enjoy the rest of your day.